0: Hello, and welcome to the Equalizer podcast. I'm your host, Becky Morgan, and joining me today is my colleague, Ariana Cascone. Ariana, how are we doing today? We're doing well. How are you, Becky? I'm doing pretty good. I'm excited to talk about the North Carolina and the Houston Dash. And the reason we're doing this order is because we're going to start talking about playoff teams in the order they were eliminated. So first, we'll cover the Courage, who were the last team to miss playoffs coming in seventh before switching to the Dash, who made it all the way to fourth in the standings, but were sadly eliminated out of the playoffs first. But before we go any further, I want to remind everybody that our Equalizer sale is still happening. If you're not yet a subscriber, you can get a full year's worth of women's soccer coverage for only $23. And that is actually a full $36 off our regular price. All you have to do is hit subscribe on the Equalizer webpage and add the coupon code 23 at checkout. That's the numbers two three to get the discount. And this is a World Cup year, so there will be lots of exciting, exclusive content, so you definitely don't want to miss out. But let's not hold off any further. Let's start talking about the Courage. So, Ariana, one thing that was really fascinating to me about the Courage last season is how they started off well and won the Challenge Cup and then only really, you know, struggled for a period of time. You know, they had a, a really rough period, but then they... Dare I say, courageously fought back to almost make the playoffs. So, what can you say about the Courage's trajectory last season? You know, it was it was kind of wild and all over the place. What do you think helped cause this kind of you know chaos, for lack of a better term?
1: Yeah, I mean, I totally think North Carolina's trajectory was wild last season. And honestly, I went into the season in the Challenge Cup feeling pretty low on North Carolina. Right, they had just. Uh, had the rest of the dynasty players really depart. So Sam Uwes yeah. and Lynn Williams went to Kansas City, and I was just not really sold on how North Carolina was going to make it work. And then in the Challenge Cup, they ended up winning, of course. They hosted the final, right? Mm-hmm. They won. In their eight Challenge Cup matches, they only allowed nine goals and scored 16. And they also didn't lose in the Challenge Cup. But then once they got to the regular season – it sort of felt like things were falling apart and they ended up in last place for a huge chunk of the season. So just like several weeks in a row. And the biggest thing I think that did the courage in is that they just like could not defend at all last season. They conceded 33 goals in 22 games and that was the fourth worst in the league. So it's really interesting when you compare that to how they scored the second most goals in the league. So they scored 46 goals. And I think, of course, this entire trajectory of the season was pretty wild, but there were some games that really captured the tone of the season. And it's kind of funny, but in their performances against Kansas City specifically, I think mm. some of that chaos really came through because they lost to Kansas City twice, about two weeks apart in August. One of them was a 3-2 loss and the other one a 4-3 loss. And that game, both of those games actually were back and forth affairs where the courage were really great going forward, but they were so terrible in their defensive third, just giving things up. Um, and so that inconsistency on a game level, I think was evident in the entire season, thinking that they, you know, won the challenge cup and then were in last place somehow came out of the depths of the table, but then just missed the playoffs.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that really is wild. I had forgotten that they were in, you know, really truly at the bottom of the table for as long as they were. So yes, absolutely. Inconsistency does seem to be the word to sum up their season. And like you say, they had just traded away a huge number of players, Lynn Williams, Sam Mewis, Crystal Dunn, Kristen Hamilton, Haley Mace, Jess McDonald, you know, so many, as you called them dynasty players. So that was obviously a blow and tempered a lot of people's expectations and then you think, okay, maybe they'll stabilize for 2023. Then they come in and they follow it up with even more shakeup. So let's talk about who they lost this offseason. First, I think, obviously, the biggest story is Dabinia, who became a free agent and moved to Kansas City, because apparently Kansas City is like the home for former North Carolina players. Saw people calling them the NC Current, and that like kind of cracked me up. Yes, I saw the Ghost the KC of Courage
1: passed. This is very good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then they sent longtime captain Abby Ersig and defender Carson Pickett to Louisville in exchange for Emily Fox. And then they also sent Merritt Thias to Angel City in exchange for Tyler Lucy. And they, I think what was most surprising to me was they sent last year's breakout rookie Diana Ordonez to Houston in exchange for a bunch of draft picks and a bunch of money. So yes, that is a lot of big, important players leaving the team. For the second year in a row. So what impact will these losses have on North Carolina? And I mean, frankly, do Courage fans have cause for alarm for all this turnover in the past two years?
1: Yeah, I think these are really great questions. And I mean, the answer to me is obvious. Yes, of course, I think Courage fans should be a little bit worried, thinking about how this season in particular, they're only returning players that accounted for roughly half of their season minutes last year. And that's way below the league average and only better than Orlando, who mm. we've already talked about having a lot of turnover. Um, but in terms of how these impacts or how these losses will impact North Carolina, rather, I think the most obvious one is the loss of Dabina, sort mm-hmm. of like what you said. Um, when I was recounting their inconsistencies last year, they were, they're attacking performances were pretty good, even though they were conceding so many goals. And I think Dabinia was a big reason why they were able to come out from the bottom of the standings. Um, She was scoring a ton of goals, right? She combined with Deanna Ordonez to score over half of North Carolina's goals last year. Wow. And then thinking about you know, you mentioned Carson Pickett. So she led the league in assists, right? So these are three big attacking talents that will just not be on the field for North Carolina next year, or this, you know, next year, 10 days. <laughs> <laughs> and if we're thinking defensively, of course, Pickett's a loss, but Abby Ursig I think might be a bigger loss than thinking in, in the defensive third. She was the team's captain and she was pretty solid for the courage on the field last year. Um, She had the second best passing score of all NWSL center backs who played at least a thousand minutes last season. So pairing the loss of Pickett and Urseg with Merritt Mathias' trade and then, you know, the Courage defense will essentially be brand new barring Kaylee Kurtz and, you know, Casey Murphy who will be between the sticks.
0: And, you know, as you said, North Carolina did have major defensive issues in the previous season, uh, or the season that just ended. So maybe they thought they needed to build from the ground up. I mean, may- I don't think there's any way you can deny the the Cards are truly in a full rebuild right now. But Matthias, Ersig, and Pickett are some of the big, big losses in experience and talent. And I mean, I think they'll be leaning heavily probably on Ryan Williams too and and Kaylee Kurtz. And uh, of course, Emily Fox, their new acquisition, which brings me to my next question. I would really like to talk about Fox's trade specifically because in our last podcast about where we, we covered racing Louisville, I said that I think racing won this trade because I think Pickett and Fox are basically a one-to-one trade. And then racing also got veteran leader Ursig as well, who filled like the desperate need for an experienced center back. So from the North Carolina perspective, what is your take on this trade?
1: Yeah. So I, I won't say that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think North Carolina necessarily won this trade by any means. Um, I was really shocked to see this happen. I mean, Abby Ersig made it clear that she was disappointed with this trade and in her, in the statement she put out after the trade, she said that it was in, it was her intention to see her career out in North Carolina. So I think the trade did come as a shock to her, um, you know, like it did to me. Mm-hmm. But with that said, I, I think it's kind of hard to know what was happening behind the scenes that led to all of this. Um, And if anything, just all of these players leaving North Carolina kind of raises a few flags for me. Uh, But this is not to take away from the fact that Emily Fox is a good player Uh, You know, she might be like for like with Carson Pickett, but is she equating to two veterans of the league? I'm just not sold on that part specifically. Mm -hmm. Uh, And thinking about Fox specifically, I think it's worth mentioning that she hasn't signed a contract, a new contract with North Carolina just yet. So as of right now, she's only there through the end of this season, but she'll be a restricted free agent come August. So even though she'll stay with the courage through this entire season, she could end up leaving. Um. Meanwhile, Carson Pickett did just sign with racing for the long haul. So, you know, it, it was just up until last week that Pickett signed, but I think the juxtaposition there is kind of something, just thinking through both of those things. Um, yeah, and, I mean, you know, if, I think, of course, if if the fall comes around and the Courage are battling for a playoff spot, then this trade probably won't have mattered. <laughs> and, and I'll sound a little bit silly, but I highly doubt that that's going to be the case.
0: I mean, sure, you know, we haven't truly seen how Ersig and pickett have you know integrated into racing's back line so you know we know that pickett at least wants to be there long term i've heard abby does too so you know that's always great but yeah i mean like you said pickett just had her contract announced we never like something with fox could be coming out right away but you know one reason fox did get traded from louisville is because they were afraid that come august they would lose her for nothing so you know clock is ticking a little more for North Carolina, but let's move on to who North Carolina has gained because, you know, as frightful as some of these losses might be, because I mean, trust me, like I said, last season, I cover racing and we lost over 50% of our team. And that is, it's a scary feeling. Um, You know, the courage still have acquired talent as well. So they received Fox and Lucy via trades. They also acquired Danish international Millie Jensen or Jensen, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and uh, Japanese midfielder Narumi Miura. And it was just announced earlier this week that they signed all four of their draft picks to three-year deals. So some of these you know, top first-round first round picks that they acquired through the Ordonius trade um, and I, other trades. So do you think these players are solid replacements for who's been lost? And do you think they'll be able to have an immediate impact on the courage this season?
1: Yeah, so I, I think it's hard to tell if these players are true replacements. I don't know if I could confidently say that anyone would be replacing Davinia in a oh, one-for-one yeah. fashion. <laughs> um, but if the Courage's recent scrimmage against League MX side Riadis is any indication, the answer is a resounding no from me. Um, of course, that was a preseason match, so I should really weigh it accordingly, but I think they looked largely disorganized in the midfield. Their backline just didn't really seem to mesh to me and the attackers were sort of all over the place. So maybe that's to be expected. It's still preseason, but um, you know, there's not that much time to iron that out because the season starts in a little over a week. Um, in any case, I'm really excited to see the two internationals that you just mentioned in the NWSL. And honestly, I don't know if I could make um, an assessment on either of those players yet, but I'm sure that once we start seeing them more uh to to take the field for the current for North Carolina, I will be able to, um, you know, say whether or not that they are replacing players that left, but I would like to just quickly touch on how the courage signed all of their draft picks. So I was a little bit surprised to see that just in the context of players who were picked in the 2022 draft. So the courage had five picks in that, Draft And only one of those players, so Deanna Ordonez, played significant minutes for the Courage. Mm -hmm. And then Emily Gray, who was drafted third overall out of Virginia, played less than 200 minutes in the regular season for the Courage. So I don't really know what happened to Emily Gray. She made appearances in the Challenge Cup. There were no announcements about injury. She just never really appeared in the Courage midfield after uh, the Challenge Cup very much. And then the three remaining draft picks other than Gray and Ordonez never appeared for the courage at all. So I'm not entirely sure if, if head coach Juan Nehas will truly lean on the rookies to make a difference, but it's possible he won't have a choice given that so many people didn't return. Um, And all four of those players did make an appearance in that friendly. I was talking about earlier. So Olivia Wingate scored the Courage's only goal. And she came in around the 60 minute mark for Haley Hopkins, who started the game in the attack and Sydney Collins, is actually the defender that had that really rough misstep that led to the second goal. The Courage mm-hmm. conceded, so Casey Murphy played a ball out uh, right outside the six to Collins, and she tried to play it back to Murphy, and then the you know opposing team just essentially put the ball in the back of the net. And then Clara Robbins only saw the field for 10 minutes when she subbed in for Denise O'Sullivan. So I actually expected out of those four players, Clara Robbins to have the biggest presence because the midfield is such an area of you know need for the courage so mm-hmm. i don't know if if she will be seeing only limited minutes or if that was just you know a preseason thing but i think it regardless it's a positive sign that all four of those players saw the field in that game
0: yeah that's really interesting about last year's rookies because i don't know if i had realized that before So, I mean, I guess we'll have to see as this year progresses what happens, but it's hard for me not to see Nehas not needing to lean on them to some extent because there has been so much change, you know, but, you know, we still need to keep going and talking about the rest of the North Carolina courage. So to wrap up our chat about them, I have to ask you with all these changes and with the loss of all these major players, where do you think North Carolina will fall in the standings this year? And that's a loaded question because as we talked about they were at the bottom for a long time, but then almost made it into the playoffs. So, I mean, it's could really be anywhere.
1: It's true. It's true. I think North Carolina got really familiar with the bottom of the table last season And honestly, they're probably gonna do the exact same thing this season, Mm -hmm. only this time I don't this time they won't have Dabinia to pull them Mm -hmm. from the depths of the standings. So um if if there is one player from last season who could make a big difference though that we didn't mention so far, um that's Carolyn. So do you think she'll be able to work enough magic to make a difference? For the courage so she spent some time injured last season so we really didn't get to see her you know in a full capacity but hopefully this season the courage will have her available for the whole time
0: I mean not to be dramatic but I mean I definitely think Carolyn is (laughs) the biggest hope um I mean seeing that game against Riatis I mean she was just sheer driving grit you know she was doing it herself she was going all the way back you know, deep into the midfield to get balls to win them and pull them up. And I mean, that really was the problem. And you, you already said this uh, in that game, you know, North Carolina just looked so disorganized. It was a bunch of players operating independently, you know, Ratcliffe, Wingate, Carolyn, just trying to like do what they could individually to make an impact, but there wasn't really any major signs of connection that I could see in the squad. But, you know, honestly, Carolyn's so talented and she's such a dangerous player and she's such a driven player and such a smart player too. I mean, she can read the game so well, but I mean, I still think that on her own she can make a difference. I don't know with that Dabinia there, you know, or you know some of the other players they've lost if she's going to be as effective. Because I mean... You can't expect these players to do it alone. I mean, that was racing's problem with Fox. You couldn't expect Fox to have the whole back line. So you can't expect Fox to do that It's North Carolina, and you can't expect Carolyn to do that with the attack. But maybe the two of them will combine, make something of a difference. So it'll be fascinating to see how they do. I I mean, I, it's so hard to tell what impact she as an individual will have. She will have one and I think it'll be a good one, but I mean, will it be enough to truly turn the tides and keep the courage in that top half of the standings? I, I personally don't think so, but it'll, it'll be fascinating to see what happens. So, you know, as we said, it sounds like
1: we're on the same page about that one.
0: (laughs) we're We're on the same page. So, you know, like we said, there's so much parody in this league, anything can happen. So you know, I would love to keep talking about the courage and keep going on, but it is time that we move on to the Houston dash. But before we dive in, we're going to take a short commercial break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. So we're back with more of the Equalizer podcast, and it's time to discuss the Houston Dash. I'm Becky Morgan, and as I said earlier, I'm here with my colleague Ariana Cascone from Back and Equalizer, and as a quick recap for the Houston Dash, they were one of the teams to undergo something of a surprising coaching upheaval with James Clarkson getting suspended in April. I don't think anybody saw that coming, honestly. Even with all the coaching stuff that happened, that was really still a big shock. Um, They also lost longtime captain Rachel Daly, who returned to England. But they did replace her with Ebony Salmon from Racing Louisville, who came in red hot and was even flirting with the golden boot for a long time. And then they also added defender Caprice Dadasco and August from Gotham to flesh out an already pretty solid defense. So the dash did eventually end the season in fourth place with a 10-6-6 record and made history when they earned their first ever playoff spot. And they were also, unfortunately, as we said in the beginning of the podcast, the first team to be eliminated in a heartbreaking match against Kansas City where they lost in the 10th minute of stoppage time. And you you can't get more heartbreaking than that. So they've definitely had a quieter offseason than the Courage did, but that doesn't mean there weren't some noticeable changes. Obviously, we already talked about them getting Ordonez. That's huge. They also signed defender Courtney Peterson from the Pride Um, They also went through another coaching change when Amaros left, and that kind of surprised me. Um, Juan Carlos Amaros, who was uh, the replacement for Clarkson, went to Gotham immediately after the postseason. But as a result, Houston did hire Sam Lady, the longtime assistant coach for OL Reign. So, Ariana, that is a whole lot of things happening. What, in your opinion, is the biggest move Houston made in the offseason?
1: Yeah, so I think people might expect... Uh, Diana Ordonez to be the answer to that question. But for me, I think it might be the signing of Sam Lady as head coach. Mm-hmm. So of course, hopefully Lady makes it through the season, which I think he probably <laughs> will, given his stints as assistant coach, you know, for a while with Oraine. But I think it will be crucial for the Dash to have some coaching stability that they clearly lacked last season. So you mentioned after Clarkson um was gone, Juan Carlos Amorose came in, but Sarah Loudon actually was the acting head coach for a handful of games in between mm-hmm. them. So really the Dash players were going through three head coaches last year. Uh, and, you know, they were still very successful. Like you said, they got knocked out in the 10th minute of stoppage time a heartbreaker in the playoffs. So it makes me wonder what the Dash can do without so much turnover in their leadership.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think You're right. I I think more than any player, honestly, Sam Lady's hiring will be the thing that determines Houston's future this season, even though we've already seen that the players can adjust so well to these changes and, you know, really roll with them. You know, I think that he is, like you said, a very good bet for being a long term coach. He has years of experience and did a good job, particularly turning the ship around for O.L. Reign in 2021 after Farid ben was fired and before Laura Harvey was brought back. So he's already demonstrated he's capable of the job, but he's never been outside of El Rey, I don't believe. So it'll be interesting to see him in a new environment for the first time and see how he adjusts to a completely different squad with Houston. But for me, I actually think that when I look at Houston's offseason, one thing that they've done really well that will be the most impactful in my mind is retaining uh, the fact that they have retained so much talent they resigned or extended a huge number of players including alicia Chat- chapman sophie schmidt uh natalie jacobs ali Presak, emily Curran, formerly emily ogle and ryan garris so this is a team that could have really been burned with free agency with some of these players but they weren't at all they held on to almost everybody and you know Key players like Ali Presock, who had 23 starts in 23 games and played over 2000 minutes. And Sophie Schmidt who had 19 starts in 19 games and surely would have started all of them had she not been in uh, often during the international break to play for Canada. So, you know, that's the retaining these players is huge. Um, and it's especially important because it clearly shows that the players are bought into what the dash are doing and that they are in it for the long run. And, you know, so many of these teams that have come in as expansion teams spend years and years and years and years as expansion teams, and the da- the Dash has to a certain extent in the fact they haven't made the playoffs, but now that they have, like, their players are locked in and ready to be for the Dash. And so it's kind of funny that we ended up pairing Houston and North Carolina together in this podcast by chance, because... I mean, they really are kind of going in exact opposite directions in in terms of retaining players. North Carolina is clearly in a rebuild where Houston is is built. But either way, you know, Houston clearly saw that what they had was working for them and did what they needed to do to keep that momentum going, and I I think that's really great for them.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point about the player retention strategies being very different at these clubs we're covering today. I don't know if I explicitly thought of that <laughs> up until you just said it but it's totally true um, so if we pivoted a little bit to talk about the roster build who do you think will be most impactful um, in the Houston attack this year
0: I mean I don't think I can give a single player I'm actually going to answer this the the backwards way I'm gonna I'm gonna say who I think will be impactful but I think that it's more going to be a player that's missing that is going to be a bigger impact so Salmon was huge last season with nine goals in 18 games so I think she'll likely be good looking to continue at that level if not improve even more Maria Sanchez was also impactful with two goals and four assists and Diana Ordonez who as we've discussed a few times you know, was kind of shocking it the she left North Carolina after such a breakout rookie year where she scored 11 goals by herself for the courage. I mean, that's, that's pretty incredible. Will she be as hot this year on a new squad? Who knows? But I mean, I think you can bet that she's still going to hit the ground running and do fine. So all these three players are great. They're going to be impactful. They're going to have a big role for Houston, but I think it's more important to note that Nichelle Prince is going to be out with an ACL tear and that is a massive loss for them. She's been rock solid for Houston on the wing and not having her will be a hard adjustment. And it makes you wonder if they targeted Ordonez specifically because they knew they were losing Prince, but that's really not a one for one trade because Ordonez has primarily, and correct me if I'm wrong, not exclusively played as a a center striker as an attacker Mm -hmm. and so has Salmon. So will one of them convert to a winger? Will they use a two top? I don't know, but it's going to be interesting to see how her loss impacts the formations that they have while also adding this new player in, because it's going to be a bit of a puzzle for Lady to solve. Um, But I mean, they have so much talent that I I think it's going to work out no matter what. I'm just curious to see like how it's going to work.
1: Yeah, that is a really good point about having things fit together and click. I think I have that same question about a lot of teams this year. So mm-hmm. I have similar questions about how things will work at, you know, the new look North Carolina. We talked a little bit about Kansas city making so many acquisitions. That's a question I have for them too. Um So I think the dash are not alone in that. Like, <laughs> in that open question. Um But in any case, now that we've talked about the dash attack, do you have any thoughts on their defense?
0: Yeah. I mean, one thing that interested me this off season was how big the roster was. Was the dash called in for the preseason? I mean, it was
1: the size of Texas pretty much.
0: It was, I mean, everything's bigger <laughs> in Texas and so is their preseason roster. That was, that's great. And I mean, it definitely seems like despite the fact that they did resign all these players and bring all these players back, that lady still wants to have everybody work to keep their spots, you know, the, he really wanted to test the bubble players and, and see what they could bring and make sure that they were right for what he wanted to build. And this is particularly true in defense because, you know, even with the trimmed roster, they still have 10 defenders, like, right now. And that's down from the 13 that they had in January. So, I mean, that is a lot of players competing together. And I'm not even addressing their, like, five – I think it's shrunk now maybe to three season-ending injuries – because they're not even they're not even counted towards the roster, so technically, if you count all of them in, it's actually more like thirty five players that are still at least listed for Houston. So they're going to have to trim down to twenty six to twenty six players before the twentieth. So time is ticking to make these choices, and I, with defense obviously being the most bloated line in terms of players, you, you kind of have to wonder if. They're going to make cuts there, especially because three of their draftees are on it. Um, Jalissa Harris from the University of South Carolina, Lindsey Jennings from LSU, and Madely Deciano from UCLA. These are all very, very talented players who would have been exciting for any team to draft. I think a lot of people actually thought that racing may have gone for Harris because of their need for defenders, but I mean... At the same time, they're competing against the likes of Alicia Chapman and Caprice Tedesco, and, you know, Katie Lynn, formerly Naughton and Ali Presock. And then also newly acquired players like Courtney Peterson and Natalie Jacobs, you know, who came from the pride and the spirit, respectively. That's already six defenders that seem pretty locked down because, I mean, they wouldn't like re-sign Chapman or recruit Peterson just to cut them or waive them. So while... You know, maybe one draftee could squeeze in Houston's defense, the roster is so stacked, I I think it's going to be a hard place to break in as a youngster. But I mean, summing up their whole defensive line, I mean, it's it's solid. I mean, they have a ton of players. And then the players that are waiting in the rings, even trying to break through are talented and might get picked up by teams if they get waived. So I I think their defense is rock solid.
1: Yeah. I mean, 10 defenders is a lot, um, yes. <laughs> but hopefully of those 10, there are three or four that make some kind of solid combination for Houston. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, given the retention and then also, you know, adding some just lots of people <laughs> being in this pool, what is your outlook on their postseason chances? Do you think they have better chances than sort of what I described as a bleak outlook for North Carolina? <laughs>
0: Oh, I think they definitely have better chances than North Carolina. I hate to, I don't, I don't want to be dismissive because I mean, as I say, every single podcast with every single team, this the the thing that is so great about the NWSL is the parody. Like anybody mm-hmm. could shock you. But I mean, just looking at Houston, I think that they have an excellent. I mean, to make the playoffs, I I would feel comfortable betting money that they would make it. Well, will they make it all the way to the top? Will they make it? Will they be eliminated in the first round? I mean, I don't know, but I think that. They have an excellent shot at making it again. I mean, despite the coaching upheaval and everything they went through last season, they they made it, and then they kept everybody intact for the most part, and then they added a few key pieces. So, yes, I think they'll have every opportunity to repeat the success they had last season. Um, I, so, I, yeah, I think that they will definitely have a top six finish this year. What What about you? What's your take on Houston's chances in the new season?
1: Yeah, I think they have a really good shot at making the playoffs again. I think a lot of it will come down to ladies ability to have this roster mesh and get, you know, the the best 11 players on the pitch, but also the best combination of 11 players out of their roster and to try to figure out what that looks like. And of course, like we have been saying for almost every team for players to stay healthy. Um, But with, you know, if all of those things happen for the dash, I could totally see them making the playoffs again this season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, that is it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Ariana, for joining me to talk about The Courage and The Dash. I had a great time. I hope you did as well. And of course, we'd like to give a special thank you to our distributor, Blue Wire Podcasts, and our producer, Jacqueline Purdy. For The Equalizer, I'm Becky Morgan. And we'll see you soon as we continue our previews on the next Equalizer podcast.